Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you. I see that you say the same hearty good morning as I get from my congregation in Etna Green. Everybody's awake and doing well this morning. Uh, it's wonderful to be home. I wanted to begin with uh, a thank you. Uh, thank you to my parents uh, for giving me uh, Kalkaska Church of Christ as a church home. Um, I'll get through the message, uh, but there's people I want to thank. My mom and dad giving me a church family, uh, giving me close friends that have stayed friends. Uh, Mike and Kim Babcock are a true gift to me and my family, and I'm thankful for them. Um, I realize the problem of saying names uh, because I'll leave people out, and if I leave you out, it's because I don't like you. And uh, uh, I can remember it was a Sunday morning. My parents, I don't know where they were, uh, but I was hanging with my grandma and grandpa at, at church, and this was many, many years ago, and I was just a little boy. And grandpa gave me the offering uh, envelope, and he said, here, put this in the, in the tray. So it was in the old building, and I had walked all the way up the aisle, and Dan was given, you know, some rousing speech to give you guys to give all your money, and, uh, and I walked the envelope, like, just walked it right up, and then Dan said something, like, you know, God wants a cheerful giver like this, or whatever, and everybody started laughing, and I was so embarrassed, I ran out down the hallway, and then I raced into the old library, and I tucked myself in the corner, and I said, I'm never going back to this place again. And Mike came and found me. Do you remember this? <laughs> Mike came and found me and consoled me, and I still went to church. Uh, that's just one of my early memories of the friendship that I have had with Mike and what he has meant to me, uh, being there for me. Still someone I can call in a moment's notice, and he will be there for me. Uh, pastoral ministry, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but pastoral ministry is uh, a lot of being baptized in min mineral spirits, and it will take away all of the shiny veneer that we have in our pride and our ego, and it will reveal the true character that's within yourself and who you are. I have found myself in moments in ministry where I have felt like maybe I was under the mineral spirits for a little longer than necessary. I uh, took a sabbatical in 2015, and I was broken, I was hurting, and I needed a break. And it was Dan and Sherry Johnson who recently retired in ministry, and Dan began his rest ministries. And he came and he gave uh, a sabbatical for me. And he ran things in Etna Green where I serve. And uh, he took care of everything. And Sherry, and they did their thing. And there, he, there was even a funeral while I was gone. And Dan said, you don't worry about any of it. I'll handle all of it. And I was able to be away with my family. And at the end of my sabbatical, I came home. I came here. And I met with uh, three men that have meant the world to me and Mike Babcock and Jeff Badgerow 
and Doc Hodgman. Doc was in California at the time, but he wanted to meet and pray with me. And I shared with them my brokenness and my hurt and the things that were, uh, that had caused an anger. Um, this is probably entirely more personal than what you were expecting, but that's okay, right? And I shared with these guys and it was the most healing, the most grace-giving, but also at the same time, big brother sort of knock upside the head to show the pride and the brokenness that was within me. And they showed me God's grace and his love. Doc Hodgman wasn't able to be there. We met at like six in the morning. Doc was calling in from California. So it was like four in the morning in California. I can't think of anybody I would wake up at four in the morning for. But Doc did that for me. There's people to say thank you to. Jan Wood, she greeted me the way I knew she would. She said, hey, kid, or hey, son, it's one or the other. Whenever I come home, I can guarantee a hug and a smile. She was my Sunday school teacher. My, one of my favorite moments was the Sunday school party. We went out to their lake, and we got to horse around on the lake. Another time, she did this cool thing. I don't know if you guys get to do this anymore, but Sunday school at McDonald's, that was a, it was a gift. We got to go to McDonald's for breakfast. You know, real deep Bible study there. I can remember taking a bunch of straws because I recently learned how to roll up the straws and snap them and break them and make the popping noise, you know? I took a whole sleeve of them and she was so mad at me for getting that many straws out of the, uh, out of the little cubby thing. I'm the reason why you don't get to go to Sunday school at McDonald's anymore. If you wondered what happened, it was me. You can blame me. Pastoral ministry has a way of sort of tearing the veneer of our ego. In the last year in particular, I think that you have all felt the sort of tension and hurt and suffering. What has happened culturally, um, what has happened across the world, around the world, is we've revealed what's within ourselves. The insecurities, the brokenness, the hurt. We've revealed our character, what we truly love, what we truly hate. We've seen people that we've loved never come back to church. We've seen people that we thought were our friends turn to not being such good friends after all. And this morning, I want to share with you something that I've been learning in God's word that has helped me put one foot in front of the other to be a little stronger and be a little more courageous and be a little more trusting that God is with me and that God cares for me. And, and I hope that in the lessons I've learned from God's word that you would be encouraged to know that God is with you, that God cares for you, and God is proud of you, and God loves you. And whether I mentioned your name or not, that you are significant to the kingdom of God because you have a place in God's family, you have a place here, you are a people who love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and God is proud of you for loving Jesus. And he wants to keep using you for his glory and his honor. I got a... 
I got a handshake and a back slap from one of my favorite people in the whole world this morning. Gordon, thank you. There's too many people to thank. But I'm thankful for all of you and what you mean to God's kingdom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for your kindness and your graciousness to us. Open our hearts as we open your word. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to share with you a story from Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, the Israelites are out of the wilderness, or I'm sorry, they're in the midst of the wilderness. They're out of Egypt. And God is rescuing his people. He's taken them across uh, the Red Sea. And the people of God are trying to figure their way out. And they have messed up big time by Exodus 33. They've already shown a tendency to wander away from God when things get difficult. And I know that we know that. Like, it's hard to stay trustworthy and true when things get difficult. And this is just what the Israelites face. And they already turn and they worship another God. And God is furious with them. And he says to them, well, to Moses, and he says to him, I'm not going to go with you. My presence is no longer going to go with you. You guys are a stiff-necked people. And if I go with you, I might get so angry, I might kill all of you. I mean, this is the real happy Sunday school lesson, and God is furious with the Israelites. And Moses says to God, well, if you don't go with us, what's the point of this whole thing? Because if your presence doesn't go with us, then there is no chance for our survival. And not only that, there is no point to our witness. There is no way that we will reflect what you want us to reflect. If your presence doesn't go with us, how will they know that the Lord God Almighty is the one Lord God Almighty? How will they know? God says, well, Moses, you kind of have a point there. My presence will go with you. And it was from that moment, see Moses, he was, in, uh, he was in the tent at that moment, and he came out, and I think that the first person he saw was Joshua. And he told Joshua, guess what, I have good news. God says he's, his presence is going to go with us. And this is a significant moment. This is a significant moment because several years later, there will come a time at the very end of Moses' ministry when the Israelites are on the cusp of entering into the promised land, and they're right there on the edge, and they're overlooking, and they're standing on the mountain, and they're looking at the Jordan River, and they see that God has taken them all the way to this place, that the 40-year journey is over, and they're finally there, and God says to Moses the most heart-wrenching thing. He says, Moses... Your time has come. Your time has come and it's, it's over for you. You're not going to enter the promised land. I feel for Moses. I mean, he dealt with a lot of problems. And you want to talk about ministry being the baptism in mineral spirits. Well, Moses went through it. He spent day after day with stiff-necked people just like you guys. I mean, we really need to give it to Andy and Tim, right? 
Yeah, and we're allowed to pick on each other. Moses tells Joshua the news. I'm not the one who's going to take the people into the promised land. It's going to be you. And the same good news that Moses brought out of the tent, he gave the same good news to Joshua. And he says, I'm not going to go with you, but I have good news for you. What's going to happen is that God is going to go with you, and so you can be strong and courageous because you can know that God will not forsake you, that God is going with you. And this is Deuteronomy 31. And God says to, or God says to Moses and to Joshua then, you can go and you can be strong and you can be courageous. Maybe you have that verse written on your wall, be strong and courageous. Maybe you wrote it or maybe you have it on your bumper sticker, maybe you have it on your wall. And I just want to encourage you that you're probably using it all wrong. There it is right there for you. You're probably pulling it right out of context. And here's what I mean. We hear, be strong and courageous, and this is what my mind does. Maybe you're like me. My mind says, okay, pull myself up, be strong, be courageous. It's riding on you. It's riding on your strength. It's riding on your courage. It's riding on what's inside of me. I can do it. Who feels that way? I can do it. And that is entirely not the point of what Moses is saying to Joshua. It is not in your ability that Moses is calling Joshua. There's nothing significant about Joshua that he should be strong and courageous enough to lead this people into the promised land. It is entirely not ability and everything about the availability of God. It is his presence that gives strength. It is his presence that gives courage. It is God and God alone. And so you go with this confidence, you go with this courage, you go with this strength because you know it's not riding on your faithfulness, but the everlasting, ever-present faithfulness of God in Jesus Christ. And so you start looking at scripture and you realize God is over and over again taking people who have very little ability and everything about God's presence and his availability in their life is what gives them the strength and the courage to take one step in front of the other. And so God says to Joshua, go into the promised land and be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Jesus would do this with his disciples. Jesus would take his disciples and they would ascend a mountain and he would say to them, in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all people, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then what does Jesus say to his people? What does he say to his disciples? He says, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Jesus promises his presence for his disciples. In Acts 1, 7, and 8, we get the story of the, Israelite, or of the disciples just before that saying, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And he says, guys, it's not about that right now. 
Get your head on straight. It's about this. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, help me out here. All right, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. You will receive my presence. You will receive my spirit. I will always be with you. I will never forsake you. Jesus is giving the same promises that God gave to Joshua, that God gave to Moses, that he gave to Abraham, that he gave to David, that he gave to Elijah, that he gave to Elisha, that he gave to everyone who would say that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And he says this in Paul through Paul in Romans 8. He says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's living inside of us and so we can know that we can have courage and we can have strength. And Romans 8 goes on to tell us some of the most well-known scripture verses that remind us of comfort and love. That I'm convinced that, and Paul says, I'm convinced that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Over and over and over again, God is telling us that his presence is going with his people. And I just want, for myself included, for us to feel the sense that it's not riding on me and my ability, but it's on the availability of God and his incredible love and the presence of his spirit that gives me strength and courage to put one foot in front of the other. The people who I said thank you to, and I could keep going, I'm seeing faces that I need to keep saying thank you to. Was it anything to do with their ability that made a difference in my life? Or was it everything to do with their availability? The conversation that you've been having with the ministers this last month has been about influence. And you may feel like you don't have anything to offer the world. You may feel like you're not really sure what your place is and where you fit in. You may not have a lot of resources. You may not feel like you have the most uh, charisma or the best charm like me. I know, but the thing that God has done for you is the very same thing he's done for me. And he invited you into a life in the kingdom of God, not because of your ability, but because he's made himself available to you. A couple of weeks ago, I I invited uh, someone to come preach for me. His name was Ken Baker. And last year in the summer, he was traveling and he was in a tragic car accident. And his wife and his son were in the vehicle with him. And They were all okay, but they were devastated. I mean, he was in a coma for over over a week, and when he woke up, he didn't know where he was, and he didn't know if his wife and son had died, and he was just devastated. He can no longer read. He can barely write. 
He has such significant brain trauma, he's struggling. But what he has done is spent his days in prayer and seeking God. And God's impressed on his heart that he would be someone that would be used by God, that he would make known God's grace and his love. So he came to Edna Green Church of Christ and he preached a message and he said something in, within his message that has resonated with me since. And he said, he said this, he said, God will give us as much of him as we want and of as little of him as we want. And I thought about that and it's like, man, I want that to be wrong, but that's true. If I reject God, then what is there for him to do? If I run from him, yeah, he'll be right there behind me, but if I don't ever turn back, what's gonna happen? And I've been thinking about that. If I... I really mean what I say and who I want to be. How much of God do I desire in my life? Do I desire his presence? Do I make myself available to God for him to impact me and change me and work on my heart? As I reflect on him and uh, on Ken and his life and I think about my own life that I want to live, you know, the old is an old illustration about, you know, just taking a sponge and you soak it up and you squeeze it out and what's inside it comes out. We've all been squeezed and maybe a little hard pressed over the last year. What's come out of you? Has it been a love for God? Has it been an earnest seeking of his will and his love for you? As I reflect on my life and I think about what God has done, he has blessed me with people. With this one beautiful thing. You all have taught me where the, where the well of living water is. You've taught me where to seek the Lord and how to seek him. When we talk about influence, it really comes down to one thing. Are you available to God? And are you making yourself available to others? Whether it's four in the morning, whether it's Sunday school every week, whether it's a phone call in the middle of the afternoon or the middle of the night. Do you make the love of God available to the people across from you, behind you, in front of you, and your neighbor across the street? Influence is about being a steady and faithful presence as you've been present with God in your life. Trusting in him, seeking him, opening your heart to him. Who? are you available to? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you for this moment, this time to be together. Thank you for your love and your grace for each day. Thank you for the Kalkaska Church of Christ. Thank you for those who I have mentioned And Lord, Lord, those that know that they've made an impact in my life, that have a relationship with me, and 
selfishly, God, about me, thank you for the gifts of friendship and encouragement you've blessed me with. God, I ask this would be true for the young boys and girls they call Kalkaska Church of Christ home. That their story would be in many ways my story of faithful Sunday school teachers, of wonderful family friends, of elders who prayed for and loved, of minister who knows their name and cares for them. God, I pray that the same reliability, the same perseverance, the same kindness, the same love that has been shown me would be given to every young child here, that they would grow to know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, for the parents of, of this church family and the, those who are single and those who are serving and are a part of this wonderful church family, God, I pray for all of them that they would know how high and deep and everlasting your love is for them. And for the faithful saints, for those mentioned and those not mentioned, thank you for their service. Thank you for their love and their grace. And may they know today that they are influencers in the kingdom, that there are missionaries, that there are ministers, that there are young people working and serving and glorifying God every day in their lives because of the small investments that they made over a long period of time. Lord, may they know that their sacrifice, may they know that their gifts and their talents and their resources were used for your glory and your honor. God, remind us that it's not about us, but it's about you. It's not about recognition. It's not about our platitudes. It's about you and making much of you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in all that we do. And how we love and how we care for one another, Lord, lift us up and work in us. Make us aware of your presence, that we can make your presence aware to others.